It's Wednesday, November 23rd, the day before Thanksgiving. And yes, no, I'm not Steve Palmer. Steve had some court date stuff to do, so he said, uh, Brett, Norm, take the reins, do some common sense. So we said, okay, we can do that. So Norm Mur- Murdoch sitting right beside me. You know, I was driving in and thinking that, you know, Thanksgiving does not have an official playlist like Christmas. But all of a sudden popped on, on, on my Sirius XM is John Denver, Country Roads, Take Me Home. And if there, if there is ever a Great song, song that should be a Thanksgiving song, yeah, that's it. And I, I would encourage anyone doing the long drive to grandma, grandpa's, mom and dad's, play that song. If you cannot harmonize while you're singing that song, you are totally tone deaf. <laughs> that has so many levels of harmonization possibility. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten. It's just a it brought a tear to my eye singing that song, and I'm not from West Virginia. No, no, you know, I, it's it, just a great song. It is. Play it on the drive. It You'll have the whole car singing it. Yeah, and pick pick where you want to be harmonizing it, and, and really listen to the words. It, it, it I think it'll set the tone. Yeah, for John, Thanksgiving, John Denver just keeps getting better and better as you age out, doesn't he? He, he does. I, yeah. Uh, it, the the sentiments in his songs are universal, and you can go right down through his catalog. Um, and yeah, it, it's great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm also uh, appreciative of of a lot of those old old timey uh, tunes. Um, you know, Nat King Cole. Uh, you know, Chestnuts over an open fire, mm-hmm. and uh, you know some of those classics, Mahila Jackson. Uh, you know, Aretha Franklin, uh, Dean Martin, Glenn Campbell, you know, some of that stuff that maybe we thought was a little corny, <laughs> you know, when we were kids. Or we just heard it so many yeah. times growing up, but now all of a sudden yeah. it just, it, it brings back those memories. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my, my parents, you know, of course they, you know, middle-class people, they love Burt Backrack <laughs> and, and all that and Barbara Streisand and, and, you know, and all those but hey, some of that's really great music. If you can, if you could kind of put away your, you know, your your sarcastic attitude and set aside some time to just be a little bit more pure in spirit, and and listen to the music and and uh, and reflect. It's great stuff. It is. It really, it really is, and it's non-destructive. It's it's pro unity. It's togetherness, you know. It, it's it's not about division. It, it really is uplifting in that way. Yeah, and amazing that you know these songs. Let's put a date. Let's put an age to them. They're nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, eighties music. We're talking fifty years old now, still yeah. being played and still still being sang to. And that's that to me is amazing. How a, a musical artist can pen. Music. A classic. Are they thinking that it will be a classic? Are they just saying, no, this just came from my heart. I want to sing it. We're going to, you know, fill the album with music. Yeah. Do they even think about that? That yeah. it's 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 just that perfect song at that perfect moment. Sure. Books, uh, movies, yeah. you know, It's a Wonderful Life was kind of just kind of a throwaway movie. It was, you know, J- Jimmy Jimmy Stewart did a great job, of course. And and uh, look at that. That's it's a it's a Christmas um a staple yeah. now you know you you can't you can't go through christmas without doing that or rudolph or, or a christmas story a christmas story you know, or charlie yeah. brown or christmas, charlie brown you yeah know, all, all of those the, the, those are those are great and um cuz you cuz you 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 hear the backstory on especially like the charlie brown specials cbs did not want that thing to air i think it might have been the thanksgiving one possibly not the christmas one um but come you know it's still being played 50 years later yeah, they did not want. They, in fact, I think they put it up against another big Thanksgiving tradition show, and it beat it in the ratings. Well, I remember. So, remember yeah. when Charlie, you know, looked up into into heaven and said, "The day that Jesus was born," and I about <laughs> fell off the sofa because it was such a a confirmation of the sense, universal sense that. America is a Judeo-Christian uh, founded and, and you know, based a country in terms of our 
Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, and the ethics and the common law that we got from England is all based really on Christian virtues. And to hear, you know, a, a cartoon character created by, you know, Charles Schultz, uh, you know, on CBS talk about Jesus. And I, I was just thinking, wow, this is almost revolutionary. This is pr- pretty much unheard of. Even back in the 70s, it was kind of radical to go there because people were starting to be ultra careful and ultra conscious of, you know, keeping God out of things. And here here it was in prime time with a, a major network, you know, inserting Christ into a message right there. I mean, it couldn't have been bolder. It was almost shocking. And I thought a lot about that, and I still do remember that scene in the Charlie Brown Christmas, and uh, it's remarkable. It reminds me a little bit of um, the astronauts in Apollo 8 when they emerged from the backside of the moon and saw Earth rise and started to read from Genesis. Mm-hmm. And people were like, holy cow, who are these guys? Now, of course, this is a government-paid operation as opposed to a, a commercial TV, which, you know, can th- obviously a TV station can, can say whatever it wants. Sure. There, there's no separation between church and state arguments when it comes to a private company. But, um, you know, you've got, you've got these guys coming around the backside of the moon, and I believe it was Frank Lovell who was commander of, on that, um, not Frank uh, level. Uh, uh, Frank was his first oh, name. Um, he became the yeah. president of Eastern Airlines. Yeah. Uh, but he was the commander on that mission. He started to read from uh, Genesis, and uh, you know, obviously talking about God, and and it, and uh, it, that was quite controversial. I remember with some some media, but it was one of those moments uh, in American history where you kind of swallowed really hard and you went, wow, you know, this is a strong endorsement of Christmas. <laughs> you know, not the secular, you know, Coca-Cola, Santa Claus Christmas, but what Christmas is really the the reason it's called Christ Mass. Mass exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of you know. tear, tear the part, word apart. And, right. Kind of figure this out. It exactly. was amazing. And by the way, I think this is a stratagem by Steve uh, not being here today. <laughs> Uh, to uh, he was supposed to bring the pumpkin pie. I believe. Oh, it was that it. Okay, yeah. so he and just... I think this is his way of finagling out of that. Uh, uh, no pie. I got a court date. Yeah, <laughs> right. right, right. Uh, guys, uh, yeah. I, I won't be at the recording session. Yeah. Uh, you know, I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought he was going to go hunting too again with his son. So maybe it was one of those he just kind of. Well, I'm glad he's not hunting us, buddy. I know. You know Get, right. he, he said he's a sure shot. Yeah, he sure. <laughs> Hey, I got a Christmas thing for you that gotcha. uh, Do it. I, I think is pretty interesting. So this flyer I have here, Brett, in front of me, this is a, from Omaha Steaks, which, as you know, has nothing to do with Ohio. But their flyer is promoting kolache made in Youngstown, Ohio. And I thought, huh. holy cow, and they don't make a lot of steel in Youngstown, Ohio anymore, but they're still making uh, Czechoslovakian and Hungarian and Polish uh, kolache up there. Hmm. And um, it's it's really neat to me uh, to see uh, handmade, this is right on the flyer from Omaha Steaks, handmade in Youngstown, Ohio since 1903, uh, kolache from the Buttermade Bakery Company of Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, so uh, you order it through, I mean, obviously you can drive to Youngstown, Ohio and order it, you know, right there in person. But I just thought this is really cool. Uh, for just the holiday season, Omaha Steaks is uh, putting Ohio made kolache out there. And uh, God, the flavors are just, yeah. dude, if you'll <laughs> permit me, I mean, yeah. there's just some unbelievable. So you got apple cinnamon nut. Raspberry walnut, pumpkin cream cheese, pumpkin walnut, blueberry jam, poppy seed raisin, 
chocolate walnut, pecan, poppy seed, blah, 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 down. You, had, you didn't do one that was that didn't sound great. I yeah. mean, I mean, just a honey walnut. I mean, come on, folks. Wow. Anyway, hey, this is not wow. a paid announcement. <laughs> but uh, it for, could have been. For either one. <laughs> it could but, have been. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, uh, you know, the show is all, uh, you know, we are pro-Ohio here. And it just, I love the diversity. I love the ethnicity of Ohio, the cultures that are here. It, it's it's amazing. Uh, it's all it's all good. And uh, this is not, of course, to say that there aren't other um, things going on with uh, other you know cultures here. You know, I know of a lot of people that go eat Chinese on Christmas because many Chinese families are not don't happen to be christian and to them it's it you know it's another day of business and if, <laughs> i know people and they stay busy and they they're busy yeah. and i know numerous christian families that will go and have a big chinese dinner because <laughs> that's the only restaurant open on christmas <laughs> at any rate and i love that i i love uh, i love all the the cultural uh you know the, the mix the melting pot here in Ohio, it's tremendous. So yeah, yeah. I just thought I, I, it, that caught my eye, and I just thought hmm. that is tremendous. Well, and it's fun, and I, every state has it to a certain degree that, you know, you have these pockets of culturalism, too, that, you know, you know the Youngstown area, you're going to get certain types of foods. Cincinnati, yeah. you're going to get it certain types of foods, and while you're there, you need to really dive in For sure. to the type of food because it's sure. it's it's authentic. Sure. It's Cleveland. genuine. Cleveland, Italian village, right? Yeah. You, you know, you go that that area in Cleveland and mm-hmm. oh my god, there there's like 15 Italian restaurants and yeah. you're in heaven. Yeah. And, yeah. and and quite frankly in Columbus, we don't. Mm. I mean, we truly are a melting pot in Columbus that we yeah. have all of this type of food, yeah. but it, there was no genesis of it here that that's we're not that, as old a city. And we're not. You know, I mean, Cincinnati and Cleveland really, really, you know. Because of the river and the now, lake. Now, the it, Brits would laugh at us. I mean, they're like, you guys don't even know what an antique is. Right. 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 We have graveyards that are a thousand years old, guys. You know, <laughs> and, you're, and we're like, uh, okay. We, we have cathedrals that are 1,200. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you got us. Yeah. You know? yeah. Okay. Right. But, no, Cleveland and Cincinnati being a little older, the architecture mm-hmm. – the neighborhoods, uh, how they formed, it is really different. You it know, is. when in, I think I mentioned on a previous show, for example, and I'm sure it's true in Cleveland. I just, not being from Cleveland, don't know the specifics. But like in Cincinnati, up until probably 1980 or so, there was a weekly German language newspaper for the the immigrant pop the German immigrant population in Cincinnati. Oh wow! Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I'm sure that's, uh, I, I guess, in places like, well, maybe even in Columbus, but like in Minneapolis for the Somali population, yeah. there's probably, you know, some kind of uh, system of uh, communication. You know, maybe now it's a, uh, it's Twitter or maybe it's Facebook, but I'm sure other cultures that have come since have uh, developed their own ways of trying to stay in touch with each other or being able to read the news in their home language. Yeah, I think that's and that's smart too to continue to pass along that language to their kids and their grandkids too. Yeah. Cuz there are, there are nuances to, to every language that it's a part of the wherever part of the country they're from. Yeah. I know for example some of my Mexican ethnic Mexican friends in California whose parents are first generation immigrants who came in um, and uh, he came to America from Mexico. I, I know a few of them that just one generation later, believe it or not, don't even speak Spanish mm-hmm. except to understand some of the key words when grandma or grandpa or whoever, it maybe they go visit back in Mexico or maybe have them up or uh, mom and dad start speaking Spanish and they don't want to be left out of the conversation. But uh, the desire, very strong desire, I think, still is to, uh, and you see this really with a lot of populations, is to um, assimilate. That's where I was. I think go there's a strong, a strong drive, yeah. uh, not to be so different, to be accepted, to be. Well, you do. To, you do get along, not get along, but you get through the systems to be mixed in. 
with quicker. your contemporary. You just do. Well, you're going to school with kids that speak English. Yeah. And, you know, this is what I ask some of my friends that are, that are in this situation. I was astounded. I was like, you know, we'll, we'll go out and somebody will obviously see that, you know, they're probably uh, Latino and say, you know, see Habla and they, you know, want to talk uh, mm-hmm. in Spanish. And a couple of my friends are just, no, I'm sorry, I, I don't mm-hmm. speak Spanish. And, and I've asked them and then basically their explanation is, hey, we were so excited to get to America, my parents. We're so excited to get here that they encouraged us to learn English. They encouraged us to assimilate as fast as we could so that we could get jobs. We could go to school, understand the teachers, uh, not be not to stand out, but to um, to to mix in. Not 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 for any reason of shame or any reason of not being proud of their heritage, but just to, you know, grab the you know, grab the reins and just dive right into the new culture that they're in, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is all good. And, you know, nothing, I don't think we're unique in that situation. No, I don't if you think, move to another country, sure. there is that home language that you probably ought to learn. Right. Exactly. You will probably get along better. Yeah. Understand shopkeepers and stores. Just get along and your in, teachers, in, your I teachers, mean, uh, you know, uh, chatter yeah. on the playground. You know, you you want to be. You want to you want to dive in and mix in and and um, you know I think that's good I think that was the intention honestly of um, many people you know who were driving the, some of those laws that that were requiring official government documents to only be in English I don't think most of that was driven by enmity. As much as it was, come on, people, you're in America. Let's all get it literally on the same page. Let's let's work towards a common basis for communication. And it may have come off wrong. It may have been a misfire. But I think that largely was the intention. I think it wasn't uh, driven by, you know, any kind of, um, you know, prejudice. Uh, but... Now, now when you get to your instructions with your Nikon camera, I was going to go the same. Com- I was thinking the same. Seventeen languages. So therefore, <laughs> you know, the economy of it, the economics, the business sense comes into play. That you know your customers are going to need the directions in a certain language. Yeah. So you print them off that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and t- yeah, I don't know of anything that doesn't have at least three languages to it. We have kind uh, in, of in the, in the in the instruction manual. We have kind of uh, the pendulum has kind of swung from you know let's all speak English only. Now it's it's so far the other way. I was speaking to uh, a friend of mine who's a, an an OBGYN uh, doctor in um, in Columbus, and um, he he told me the story of what the government now requires in the way of a paid interpreter uh, for someone who does not speak English. And I said, what are you talking about? Because I, you know, I just assume, uh, well, he said, hey, Norm, if a Somali woman comes to my office, she's pregnant, and she doesn't speak English, what I'm required to do is hire a an officially sanctioned, approved interpreter. Um, it cannot be, I cannot rely upon, say, the Somali patient's sister who might come with her. And and the sister says, hey, listen, I speak perfect English. Uh, I'll tell my sister here what you say. I'll be the interpreter. He's not allowed to do that. He has to hire. And I think the rate, he told me the rate was something like two or three hundred dollars an hour. And he said, at that rate, I'm underwater on my billing. Um, I'm actually paying the patient. Well, it's be it's he's not paying the patient, but I'm actually paying more. There's more money going out for me to give this medical care than what I'm going to get reimbursed uh, under the health care plan, under mm-hmm. under the insurance that this person uh, has, uh, because of you know, the, the, the wide variety of languages. And, and I just, um, so there is no, 
there's no, there doesn't seem to be common sense. <laughs> well, is it the, is it the is it the relationship to the patient because of HIPAA that 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 sister or daughter can't translate? Is that the deal? I don't know. I think what it is is but that's so. It's, but but it's, a family member ought to be able to be in there. Well, it, sure. I mean, because you but can, they can't rely you, on that translation of that. Apparent, apparently, that's what it is, and you would think that there would be. You know, if the patient comes in with somebody that they trust, somebody they're comfortable with, right? As the interpreter, you would think, "Hey, good enough, right?" I mean, no, that's not how it works. Well, that's a, and, and that's a, and it's going to be another scenario of like Steve says, follow the money. Yeah. Okay, who pushed what to make right. it happen, and who's 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 getting a portion of that translator's two hundred dollars an hour or whatever it might well, be? Well, or or it's or it's some kind of regulation that is so uh, that we're seeking perfection instead of a common sense, uh, least cost, best way, best practices kind of thing with the understanding that nothing's perfect, that the official interpreter could make a mistake sure, as well as the patient's sister or mother, whoever speaks English mm-hmm. um, at any rate. It's yeah. just It just goes to show you that, you know, we are larding on costs it, to, to to a lot of things. Now that happens to be healthcare, but you know you could you could probably pretty much do the same thing in the area of of primary and secondary education. There's probably all kinds of things oh, yeah. that you and I are not aware of in our daily uh, lives. Where uh, you know, great, you know, diversity is wonderful and it's great, but to the extent that we can all get on the same page. That allows us to be one community, and it's not prejudicial. It's not something that we would ask in order to ostracize anybody or keep anybody out. It's just a way of saying, look, you know, most of us speak English. You know, be good if you would learn English. That way, when President Biden gives a speech or when – uh, the uh, when FEMA has an emergency bulletin on the radio, and there's a or the weather service talks about a, a, a tornado warning, or whatever, it's going to be in English. Yeah, it would be good if you knew English. That's not because we dislike you. That's not because you're not welcome here. And and yet people will 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 interpret the desire to have everybody try as best now i'm not going to ask some 90 year old lady from poland to 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 become conversant in english in her elderly year that's not what i'm talking i'm just saying it is it is good to have children at least come up and learn english as their primary language in order them for them to function it's a pro it's a pro-immigration measure to welcome immigrants and to and to foster their integration into society for their own success, it's looking well and safety. It's looking yeah. out after them. Right. Yes, for sure. their own safety. Sure. My goodness, yeah. uh, you know, hey, people, take shelter. There's a tornado. Well, if they say that in English and you don't speak English, that's really a problem for you. Mm-hmm. And and I I would hate anybody to be in that scenario. Yeah, so, exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Kind of, kind of got off on a side no, thing no, there, we're but good. Um, we're good. You know, um, you had a you had a topic uh, that we didn't get to last week. Let's and, let's, and I think this is something. Yeah, launch that. That mm-hmm. it's going to be on our radar next year because as Ohioans, we're going to be probably voting on this concept. So, if you hadn't heard, um, Republican Secretary of State Frank LaRose and State Representative Brian. Stewart, a Republican from Asheville, put forward the, quote unquote, Ohio Constitution Protection Amendment, which is, quote, designed to help protect the Ohio Constitution from continued abuse by special interests and out-of-state activists, unquote, which I didn't know there was a problem with that, but apparently there is. So um, what's being asked and was talked about at this press conference is the new amendment, if you don't know this already, uh, a simple majority right now is all it takes, and I shouldn't say it's all it takes, but is what it takes to 
add an amendment to the state constitution that as Ohioans, a simple majority of 50% of us plus one vote adds an amendment to the state constitution. Well, these two gentlemen are pushing that we talk and vote on a new amendment that would require petition-based amendments to pass with a 60% vote. Uh, He stated that the Ohio Constitution is supposed to serve as a framework of our state government, not as a tool for special interests, requiring a broad consensus majority of at least 60% for passing a petition-based constitutional amendment provides a good government solution to promote compromise and to have a historically proven record of passage. Now, a couple of things that I'm not real happy with is this is could be timing. Why now? I think we have to ask that. I don't know why, but he he says he's been kicking this around for a while. Okay, okay. And we've we've interviewed him um, in the past. I think he does some good stuff in regards to keeping the Ohio votes safe. Bottom line. Now, historically, on the resolution passing, I, I thought this was interesting. I'm going to have to take uh, this uh, research on face value because I didn't do it. But since 1912, 19 of 72 amendments proposed by initiatives have been approved. So really a low percentage of state amendments have been approved by Ohioans. So to me, that kind of says the 50% plus one vote works. And if you take the last example that I can recall that was just a big brouhaha and was not passed was legalizing marijuana, that we figured this out as Ohioans going, wait a minute, we're allowing three companies to have total control on on the marijuana trade, basically, and we're shut in and all those three companies are from out of state. It was uncovered. It was the spotlight was put on it. And Ohioans said, no, we're not doing this. So I, I kind of wonder why now, why are we doing this? Uh, it, uh, and luckily, as we joked about before we started recording, we get to vote on this and we get to vote that 50 percent plus one vote <laughs> to either deny it or approve it. And uh, I, I want to hear your point of view as well. I, I think it's something we really need to figure out why now. I, to me, I, it, I think the proposal is taking power away from us. We've been pretty we've been pretty smart so far. I don't know why all of a sudden another 10% added on that has to be in place. And does that open Pandora's box that so a democrat runs that part runs that sec, uh, you know secretary of state or whoever proposes this, why not 65? Why not 70? I I think it's working. The 50% plus 1 it's it's a it's a it's taking away some powers of Ohioans. Yeah, I um don't think if it's presented, if there's enough signatures and it is on the ballot, I don't think it'll pass. Um, I don't necessarily think, I don't think it's a great idea is my initial reaction. I'd like to hear more uh, from the proponents of this, but my initial reaction, uh, even though I'm, I have not been happy with some of the amendments that the electorate has passed, um, and I think we largely have a lazy electorate. I mean, I'm still not satisfied, even though we've had, you know, uh, record turnouts for the last couple of presidential elections. Uh, it, we're still talking about a relatively small number of eligible voters who actually take the time to vote, uh, actually, you know, mail it in or come and vote in person. And so I'm not satisfied with um, with Ohioans and their voting record. And I think, you know, we could talk about some Ohio constitutional amendments that have passed that have been, you know, mistakes, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. I, and I can give reasons and we could talk about that. However, I agree with you, Brett, that if you, I mean, it's it's just logic. If you raise the standard to pass an amendment, to approve an amendment uh, up above 50% uh, to 60% or to some higher number, all you've done is elevated the height of the hurdle for the electorate to do something, to either take away 
bad language or language that is viewed as bad that's in the Constitution to change it that way or to add language uh, or to change a number or to change a date or whatever is in the Constitution that's in that amendment that the electorate's being asked to vote on. Um, you're, You're raising the hurdle and therefore diminishing the power of the electorate to make those changes. And Ohio was founded in 1803. If it's always been 50% in order to enact, in order to enact an amendment, and Ohio has a huge number of um, our constitution for our state is much longer than the federal constitution, and that's by design because under our federalism um, setup in in America. The states control much more of our day-to-day criminal and civil laws are far more, um, and always were supposed to be, now that's been nibbled away at in in rather huge chunks in the last uh, probably 75, 80 years by the federal government. But the, the general concept of federalism is the federal government has very limited powers, very limited purview. That was the basis for the Dobbs decision, which said the topic of abortion is a state topic. It is not a federal topic. And all of this talk about passing some kind of, you know, other than funding bills, but all this talk about passing some kind of federal statute uh, that would either permit or deny abortions is it flies in the face of the decision that the Supreme Court just made. The Supreme Court just made a decision that said neither we, the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade, nor the Congress, nor the president can enact a law governing the subject. The subject matter, i.e. abortion, this is just an example, and, and we can give several other examples. We could talk about speed limits. We could talk about how uh, we we could talk about how police uh, are trained. We could talk about a number of different subjects. All of those subjects that are not in the U.S. Constitution are reserved for the states. And so the state of Ohio's Constitution, ergo, is much longer, larger, more comprehensive, more complex than the U.S. Constitution. And as Brett mentioned, roughly 28% of the uh, amendments proposed since I think you said 1912. Mm, at least that was the um, that's a good research. Yeah, yeah, yeah that gives yeah. us that's about 110 uh, years of uh, right. of history. 100 years into the Constitution as well. Yes. So, yeah. so, so just just look at that, folks, and 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 we, you know, basically that means that Ohioans have rejected more than 70 percent of the proposed amendments, like the marijuana franchise amendment that was proposed with uh, basketball star Oscar Robertson as one of the uh, one of the proponents behind that and I think Dave Chappelle I think was was also a backer of that which is fine that's their right and you know they're they're participating in the in the uh, in the affairs of the public affairs it, it, no I have no problem with that but the voters voted that down I think the voters will likewise vote down um, Mr. LaRose's uh, proposed amendment uh, that that the bar be raised to 60 percent of, of the votes have to uh, would have to uh, be be in favor of any constitutional amendment after this were to pa- if this were to pass. So I, I don't think it's going to pass. I think I think you mentioned in Arkansas, didn't you, Brett, mm-hmm. that that in Arkansas a similar, um, a constitutional amendment was not approved by the voters there for, for largely, I'm sure, the same reasons. The voters would realize their power to affect public affairs would be reduced. They would have less effect on what goes on in their state if, uh, if, if the bar is set higher for them to either rescind or to enact a change in the constitution of their state. So um, 
You know, I mean, unless uh, the backers have some compelling argument that I'm not thinking That's of. That's where I was going to go with it, too. I'd love to have yeah. Frank Frank back on, yeah. you know, and talk about that because— Or Mr. You know, Stewart or somebody. Either, yeah, yeah, anybody around this, because at least we from could, that press conference, there was that there was not enough information there yeah. to really warrant any second thought on this. Like, yeah. just because you've been thinking about this for a while, and yes, there is a lot of out-of-state money coming in trying to sway us to, to vote one way or the other— well, that, that, that that's a constant. Sure, though. that was come true. on. That was true with the casino amendments, right? That was true with the marijuana. That's amendments. true with any candidate. That's true. Of come a on, lot of, true. Of Vance a lot of and and his opponent. Sure, tons of money coming from outside. No question. Trying to sway us to vote for them. Absolutely. You know. Right. Uh, it, it's just part of politics. Now, again, if he can prove more that there's been uh, <clears throat> we've, we've stopped a lot more than you realize. Okay, let's let's have a healthy conversation, and I'm sure it will come out. I'm sure it will because I'm open to changing my mind. I, I, I if it looks like it's a bad thing, okay, let's let's really consider it. But boy, that's a huge jump, fifty to sixty percent. Oh, it is. That's uh, a big jump. I mean, just think of how many elections, for example. Um, I mean, almost. I, I I struggle to think of. Gosh, do you have to go back to uh, Reagan? Maybe. I, I struggled to think of, for example, a federal election um, in recent memory where somebody got 60% or yeah. more of the vote. Yeah. I mean, it's rare now. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it's it's pretty hard to get 50%. And so, you know, um, yeah. I, 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 I just, I don't see the need for this. Yeah. It cuts both ways, whether you're a liberal or a conservative or whether you walk the the fence and and you're you know in, in you're you're not inclined to well, and, a, yeah. partisan politics yeah it, it cuts both ways and as steve has you know made the kind of, uh, the definition which i love the definition of conservatism is that conserving our rights and that's exactly what where i'm going with this sure. you know because i know i'll be on both sides of the fence of some a little bit more liberal lean a little bit more conservative lean but this one's like i don't give away rights with that that you just like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, all that money coming out from out of the state. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you're giving away something that you can never get back. <laughs> you will never get it back. He may so. be he may be frustrated by uh, because he's in the unique position of certifying whether enough uh, signatures have been on these petitions to put something on the ballot as a constitutional amendment measure. And it may be that as a, he may be looking through his files and seeing what corporations and what uh, what interest groups are are financing these uh, petition measures, and it may occur to him, and maybe that's where this comes from, uh, possibly that he is just seeing so many self interested parties put up these measures and then Ohioans have to bat them down that he feels like it's um, some kind of a scam on the, on the electorate. But the electorate's pretty smart generally. They have voted down most of these commercially uh, viable kinds of uh, amendments that, that would set up uh, a monopoly or a near monopoly for either gambling or for uh, marijuana, uh, or, you know, the, the electorate's seen through that. So I think it's up yeah. to us, uh, the, the the people out there that are, you know, churning the news and looking for issues to talk about, and it's up to the electorate to, um, you know, educate itself and to listen to voices like ours. If, if, we, if we find something... Uh, to be distasteful, believe me, we're, we'll talk about it here. Yeah, exactly. You had something too, right? Yeah. Um, this isn't necessarily uh, Ohio-based, but, of course, even as we're speaking, some tragedy could happen, like uh, like what happened in Dayton with uh, mass shootings uh, or mass stabbings, for that matter, or uh, it, what happened in Japan, I think it was sarin gas on the subway system years ago. I mean, there are a number of ways. Uh, there have been pilots uh, that have intentionally ditched their airliners uh, for you know suicide reasons or 
uh, sometimes, um, you know, yelling some kind of religious uh, motto, you know, why they do it for for God knows what reasons, an act of terrorism. And I was I was uh, puttering through um, a book uh, yesterday, and it it. it it, it it said since I believe it was the middle '80s, uh, probably around Reagan's presidency, that in in that time the FBI has collected statistics. If you define a mass killing uh, incident as four or more deaths, there had been over a thousand. Uh, in a period of, I believe it was 1,200 days for this particular study. Uh, so you were talking about, um, if I got it right, it might have been a longer period. It probably was, probably three or four years. But the point was, and the in the statistic that emerged from from this study was roughly about every three to four days, and we're seeing that happen this week, every three or four days, we are seeing some kind of mass killing, whether it's the, the college students in uh, Idaho, four of them stabbed to death as they slept, uh, is, is the theory the police have, or whether it's the shooting at the Walmart uh, yesterday in Virginia uh, where six people were killed. And I have no facts about that. I just recently came across that as I was – contemplating talking about the uh, the shooting at the uh, the Colorado Springs Q Club um, uh, that occurred this week and um, and I'm wondering why right we all wonder why we're we're all you know thinking about why do these things happen and it occurs to me that as we come up on the holiday season it occurs to me that there is something that is more and more and more missing from our culture and we're becoming kind of a culture without any fixed points of reference without without a collective sense of about why we exist all the big questions the things that Friedrich Nietzsche uh, or Leo Tolstoy or you know Jesus Christ or or you know Gandhi Buddha, you know, all the great thinkers, all the great um, artists, Solzhenitsyn, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, Jordan Peterson, you know, if you if you like him, a contemporary, people who talk about, well, okay, what is the meaning of life? What is all this about? Do you know? You read these pre-attacked diatribes by the Unabomber or by the Columbine uh, trench coat uh, killers, uh, the, the high school students, or uh, the guy in Uvalde, Texas, or that the crackpot wrapper uh, guy up in Chicago. You read some of the things that these, these manifestos or these notes or songs or whatever it is where you try to find out what their motivation is, and they're almost universally, all of them, just, just almost to a person. They're non-political, generally. I mean, there are some examples, you know, of Lee Harvey Oswald, or uh, which was not a mass killing, of course, or the January uh, or j- j- the June Fourteenth um, um, attempted massacre of of the House members uh, at that uh, the Republican House members at that. Uh, uh, softball practice in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, you know, so sometimes there is a political motive, but generally, 99% of the time, like it just came out about the Q Club killing, that that was a non-binary uh, young man that uh, has been arrested. Uh, so you know, part of, if you will, like in the Pulse nightclub thing in Miami, part of, if you will the same uh, kind of diverse people that go into those clubs, uh, both killers in both cases were, were one of those people. And that's what we would expect. I mean, that's, 
that's what I would expect. I would not expect it to be politically motivated. I would expect it to be based on some kind of um, broken person, a person who is a person without values, a, a sick person, a mentally ill person. And there may be hate involved, but I don't think it's political hate or racial hate or it's not hate like we used to think of hate. It's hate of existence. And when you read these notes, these, these, the Unabomber's notes or the Columbine Boys notes, uh, the rapper's song uh, up in Chicago, when you read what they say, they basically say life itself is a punishment that we are existentially being tortured by whatever force i believe it's god you might believe that it's some natural uh, thing of the big bang whatever it is that set all this in motion existence that it is a joke like uh, tolstoy called it a joke uh, or nietzsche said some people the way they compute life, it's a joke. That the, It's a joke being played on us by God or by whoever created this, the, the, the great inventor, the great designer, uh, wh- whatever, uh, Ra, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever, the sun god, wh- whoever <laughs> did all this, right? Or, or, or Zeus or whoever, whoever, it, whoever inflicted, if you if if you take their nihilistic point of view, whoever inflicted life upon them, and they view the killing of other people as meaningless, except that those lives don't matter any more than their own, and that there it is so miserable and it's so awful to be alive, and it's such a punishment, it's so terrible, and it's such. It's so painful to be alive that ending those lives is is powerful. It, that that gives my life meaning as I go check out the door and commit suicide by cop or whatever I'm doing while I wait to be executed, like the Uvalde killer, you know, behind a desk or a pile of books waiting for the cops after they waited an hour to finally come in and kill him. And so I just wonder if we have totally lost as a society, well, not totally, because Brett's here and I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) We're the two last vestiges of insanity. Oh, my God, we're we're in trouble if that's the case, too. And And there's lots of good people. And there's lots of good people here. But our society overall, our value system, what you see in popular culture and what you see increasingly uh, being shouted down on social media uh, and made fun of are people who try to come up with positive meaning for life. And um, Peterson gives a, a really good example because he, you know, as a clinical psychologist, um, in some of his books, he gives great examples of, of patient cases of people that, like this Carl Praz Ram, one of the most notorious mass killers in American history, uh, you know, he went into an institution where he was raped, uh, he was starved, he was denied medical care, he was abused, and he came out a vengeful animal who wanted to kill other people and just wanted to take out the misery that he had experienced and inflict it on other people. And you wonder, okay, well, how come everybody doesn't do that? And that is where there is, there is rational, there is a rational sense of what is right and what is wrong that's built into most people because lots of people are abused and raped and and denied health care and treated incorrectly and bullied and yet they don't go on to be mass murderers and why is that well because you can deal you can deal with adversity in multiple ways as nietzsche said and 
you could be like Tolstoy and walk around and and eschew any kind of ropes or any kind of chain and and hide all your guns from yourself because you are so miserable and you're so at the end of uh, your your tolerance that you think you just would end it all. You know, Tolstoy used to say, I keep rope and, and my guns away from me because I don't know at any moment that I might lose control of myself and kill myself because I am so miserable and I believe that life has so little meaning. And that was Leo Tolstoy. But there's other people who deal with that. You know, take Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford grew up at boys, you know, an orphan like our friend Steve, an orphan who was taken in by Boys Town or some of those boys were adopted like Steve is related on this show. He was adopted and you, they could be mad at the world forever and turn into some kind of monster, you know, like Jeffrey Dahmer who, who had loving parents, but yet turned into a monster and, and killed a lot of people and, and thought that people didn't matter. They could have done that, but they didn't. And so I'm just thinking that these mass murders, dude, it isn't going to be about guns and knives. It isn't going to be about, you know, the implement that these people use to kill other people because these mass murders are happening worldwide. They're happening in other cultures. And frankly, you can make a gun now with a 3D printer out of plastic. So we are not going to put the technology, uh, we're not going to be able to turn back the page. They make guns over campfires in Pakistan. Uh, you know, kids can print one out, uh, you know, like I said, on a 3D printer. That's not the issue. The issue is we have a sickness in our, in our culture, and it's here in Ohio, and it's everywhere, where it, it, it's not about hating other people for what they believe in. It's just about hating other people. Right. I think we have an opportunity, and I'm not going to say we're better than anyone else, but it's as – we, we, let me put it this way. We don't know really what we can do until we do it. And, and here being examples. So just having the grace with other people and, and treating them as humans and having conversations that it could be a person who is needing that and reaching out and have grown up in such a horrible, horrible situation that all of a sudden they see a bit of sanity just by – relating to you and having a cup of coffee or having a conversation that can, that can turn somebody and kind of go, wait a minute, maybe life isn't all that bad. I'm seeing a glimmer of light. You hear those stories that they, they grew up in such horrible conditions, but they, they babysat for a family that actually were pretty cool. They talked as a family, they ate around the family dinner table or, but you go home and it's chaos. But they take that example and run with it and kind of go, okay, my life does not have to necessarily be my life for the rest of my life. There are examples of it being better and you yeah. get drawn to it. Right. So don't underestimate what I think we can do. Absolutely. And we all have our issues. Right. So give each other some grace. I mean, that's kind yeah. of kind of going full circle about it's Thanksgiving time. It's, I, I like you know, that. I like that, Brett. I I remember, Let's help each other. I remember a priest at Mass once. His favorite uh, new saint is Mother Teresa, okay? And I know Mother Teresa is controversial with some people. Some people think she was, you know, like a businesswoman. Like, you know, like, like, you know she, she, she was in the fundraising business. Well, God bless her, you know. Uh, it takes money to operate a charity. It does. I mean, that's, that's the crass right. truth of it. And I remember the priest telling a story that she was in Calcutta and she was appealing to a local businessman. And, you know, I don't know what his problem was, but she, she was asking for money and he, he's, he spit in her face. He spit, he actually spit in her face literally. And, and said, no, I'm not going to give you money. You're here in Calcutta. Look around you, lady. Are you out of your mind? Look around you and see the size of the problem. Look at how many people here have open sores or their ribs are showing because they don't have any food or they're, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're sickened from the water 
you know, going down the Ganges River. I mean, you know, they're they're in complete misery. And your little effort uh, here today, you know, to work with maybe 12, maybe 10, 12, 20 people, you know, today when there's literally 20 million people suffering uh, is a joke. And so I spit at you. And, And she said, okay, you can spit on me, but what do you have for God? What do you have for God? You know, that you could spit on me. You can you can tear me down. You could tell me I'm useless. You could tell me I don't matter. That's fine. But I'll take that. But what do you have for God? And this guy was dumbstruck by it. He was he went home and he thought about it and he came back and he gave her thousands of dollars and said, "You're right." You're right. It it starts with each of us. And she she put her hand on him, and said and said, it, it, it where he says, but but mother, where are you going to start? What do you, how how do you solve something where you have millions of people? There's just one of you. You're one little old lady. <laughs> You're one little old lady. You know, with a scarf over your head, right, and a few other nuns with you. The, the minor denomination of nuns what what the hell are you going to do a few dozen nuns with millions of people in need and she says i'm going to start with this one and then i'm going to go to that one and then i'm going it's just what you said brett it's one by one lives we can each touch lives that we can affect each of us and if every person listening and if every person who then you talk to that's not listening and, and, and spread this philosophy out that we all take personal charge for our culture and we live as best we can exemplary, you know, talk is cheap. Do you live your life in a way that's illustrative to your children mm-hmm. and to other people that observe you? You know, do, do you do things with kindness? Do you do things with grace? You know, or or do you show your kids that you'll cut this this Honda Odyssey driver off, you know, and damn near kill her, you know, because you're mad that that yeah. that, that she's not paying attention at the traffic light or whatever it is. So, what kind of a person are you? Uh, do, you know, whether you believe in tithing or whether you believe in just pitching in, helping somebody you know, a spinster who needs a new roof and some guys get together on Saturday and re-roof her house, whatever you can do in your own community, whatever you can do to show these young people that it tends to be young people that, that are these mass murderers. But if they observe acts of grace, acts of sacrifice, personal involvement, hey, you know, grab those guys, grab those young men, uh, and try to involve them. I think you're right, Brett. I think that's the only way it's going to happen. Invite them to go to church, and when they laugh at you, say, "Hey, wait a minute. You know, there's usually donuts and uh, coffee afterwards. <laughs> you know, hey, and if and if you hate God, hang out, talk to the minister, talk to the rabbi, talk to the imam, talk to the priest. You know, express your bitterness and your hatred and your anger. You know, because there's there's answers to that." Uh, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be alone. You can discuss these issues. You can get help and counseling. Right. I, I, I think it's it's worthy of the discussion and and in doing these acts and then, boy, we're bringing this really back down back to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Is, is don't expect the feedback. You're just doing it to do it. It's the you're probably going to feel really good about doing it anyway. Well, and you, you know, and just just do it. Don't expect a thank you. Don't ex- no. I, I, I can give no. you a, one example. No, you may you, be hated. Actually, you probably will you, be. You, you, you're you, right. You know, when, when you extend an offer to somebody and to 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 help them, a lot of times you will get that rejected, sure. even by your own sons and daughters. Oh, for sure. Will say, hey, you know, Dad you're kind of dumb, you know, you, you really don't know what's going on. You you don't know what the culture is like where, where I go to school or what I experience, and you may get rejected. But, you know, you keep offering in a way that's non-judgmental, that's just open and says, hey, you know, let's talk. Let's, let's see what we can do. I'm here to be a resource. 
I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to order you to do something uh, once you're an adult. You know, if, if we're talking minor children, well, you you damn well better put your foot down and make sure that they come in at a decent hour and, and who their friends are and, and, and set an example. You know, if you're, hey, you know, l- listen, if you're smoking and drinking and, and doing that in front of your kids, guess what? You're pretty much giving them permission it's going to happen. Same thing if sure. you're same sure. thing if you're if you're if you're raging against some uh, ethnic minority, and and every day you're using a word about that minority, um, or 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 you're uh, or you're bitter and angry about something th- uh, about a particular a group of people that you know uh, love people in a way that's different from you, and you want to. And you want to, you know, say something about that every day in front of your children? Well, you're you're just creating more hate, mm-hmm. and there's just no reason at all. Yeah, not really. No. At all. No, at all the, not, do, no. the the big no. hero out there at the Q Club was an ex U.S. Army officer that t- that took his hetero family, his wife, his hetero daughter, his hetero son. So it was comedians on stage, right? I don't, I don't know what I th- it was. I thought there was some, it was some a drag night or yeah, something. It, I thought there was and some it was comedy a, or something like that. Something was on stage. And the yeah. reason this, if you will, quote, bear with me, people, don't don't be angry, quote, normal, unquote, family, hetero family, father, son, mother, you know, daughter. Uh, the reason they went to that club is the daughter had a classmate she grew up with, one of her best friends, who was going to perform in this drag show. And so the family went there to support him, okay? They happened to be there when this guy came in, the, the, the non-binary, uh, self-described non-binary uh, guy with a long gun and started killing people. I think he killed four people. And this guy, who was not a regular at the club, had it was there as a guest, there as a member of the audience, he disarmed this guy along with I think one of the the dancers and they they got him on the ground and and you know basically held him at bay until the police got there otherwise there would have been a lot more killing um it just goes to show you that our community of people we don't all have to be the same to take care of each other and we don't have to agree on what uh, love means uh, might mean something different to me than it means to you. I don't care about any of that. I don't care. I don't care what color you are. I don't care. What, you know, I love everybody. I don't care who do you go to bed with and none of that. You know, as long as you're not hurting minors and as long as it's consensual and as long as there's no physical violence, I'm pretty much, I am, I am the classic conservative. I'm the classic libertarian. And I think that's, I frankly, I think most people think that way anymore. But we have to do something about the people who feel like there is no purpose in life. Those are the people that I think are very dangerous to themselves and to the rest of us. And if they don't think life has any meaning, and and well then, and and if there's no moral code, if 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 they don't believe in a Ten Commandments, or if they don't believe in in any other kind of moral or ethic ethical code, well, then why wouldn't you just pull out a gun and kill somebody if they cut you off in traffic? Because it wouldn't matter, right? There's no judgment. There's no God. There's no heaven. There's no hell. So, gosh, it doesn't mean anything. It, 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 you know, it's like a, it's like squashing a cockroach to kill another human being if you think like that. And that is, we, we can't tolerate that. Or we won't be. We we will we will be the cockroaches. I mean we. I mean there won't be any more people because at some point you you get a disaffected artist, uh, who a failed artist like Adolf Hitler, who who gets to run an entire country and almost had, almost had a dirty bomb. You know, uh, almost had atomic weapons. He certainly had a delivery system, and. Hey, that can happen again in North Korea, could happen in Russia, could happen in China. It could happen in many places. It could happen with Pakistan, Iran, a number of places where crazy people with much bigger guns than an AK or an AR-15, okay, 
have the instruments to destroy humanity. And we have to, we have to get to the young Stalins, the young Hitlers, the young Columbine killers, the young Uvalde guy, the, the guy down there at, uh, the, the guy who did that horrible shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. We have to get to people like that early on and, and try to save them in order to save ourselves. I agree. And to that end, I think we come to an end. Yes, sir. For this uh, Common Sense Ohio episode. Of course, we're we're running dual lanes. You're going to hear this episode in the Lawyer Talk lane. Steve has not given up on his um, Lawyer Talk questions or deep dives. Those are still coming. He's been promising that. And actually, I know he's got them on a piece of paper ready to roll and recording those. So uh, stick around for the Lawyer Talk uh, podcast. Stay subscribed to that. If you haven't subscribed to Common Sense Ohio podcast, please do so. These will continue in that lane. We'll probably continue to do the dual lane for a bit more uh, so you have that easy transition. But we're having fun doing this. Please um, give us some comments and feedback. We've got, uh, I think, our our website up. Either it is now or will be very, very soon, commonsenseohioshow.com. And we'll uh, cross-reference that and put all that stuff in the show notes so you get an easy access point. But... That is Common Sense Ohio until now.